I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Beauty is a Bitch. Today, my guest is Dr. Shelby Harris, also known as Sleep Doc Shelby, right? Uh, is a clinical psychologist in private practice in New York City. She is board certified in behavioral sleep medicine and treats a wide variety of sleep, anxiety, and depression issues using evidence-based non-medication treatments. Her self-help book, The Women's Guide to Overcoming Insomnia, Get a Good Night's Sleep Without Relying on Medication, was published in 2019. Dr. Harris holds a dual academic appointment as clinical associate professor at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in both neurology and psychiatry. But before going into private practice, she was the longstanding director of the Behavioral Sleep Medicine Program at the Sleep-Wake Disorders Center at Montefiore Medical Center. She is frequently invited by hospitals, corporations, and parent school groups to give sleep help workshops. Dr. Harris has been been an invited columnist for the New York Times Consults blog and is frequently quoted in media, including the New York Times, New Yorker, and she's appeared on the Today Show, World News with Diane Sawyer, and Good Morning America. She can also be found on Instagram at sleepdocshelby. I love her Instagram. Welcome. Welcome. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. So am I, because sleep has been a major issue in my life, especially since entering menopause. And I know I am not alone. So my first question is, why do women in midlife have so many more sleep problems? Well, there's hormone changes that happen a lot. I think there's three different reasons. So one is the hormone changes. So you're having changes in estrogen, progesterone, and the sharp drops that can happen definitely influence our mood. They influence how we're feeling. They influence the night sweats that we get, the hot flash, all that stuff that starts to happen during perimenopause. And then we also think about the changes in our, our lives. So psychological, there tends to be more anxiety, whether it's due to perimenopause and menopause can be a big factor. But we do know women tend to have more anxiety and depression than men. And then we also find that there's just more um, socio, like sociologically, there's a lot more stress on us. So we have kids, some women who are entering perimenopause still have really young kids at home. So you have kids or you have teenagers, which is a whole other ball of wax. <laughs> and then a lot of times we have parents that are aging. So there's work, there's different ages that we're dealing with. There's more stress, anxiety of the hormonal stuff, and it's a firestorm for sleep. Yeah, you just listed pretty much all of them that I can think of. <laughs> Ones that I've been experiencing. It does seem, especially since the pandemic, it just has been you know, lots more stress, a lot less sleep. Sure. Uh, for sure. So would you say that's why do women 
tend to have more sleep problems than men. Is that why you would say that might be? The yeah, everything? it's interesting. We actually, up until adolescence, girls and boys have the same rate of sleep problems. And then once you start factoring in hormones and all that, all that jazz, that's when we start to see more, especially sleep disorders, more so like insomnia. We see more in women than men. Apnea, the snoring kind of stuff. We still see it. We see it a lot in women as they're hitting perimenopause and menopause. But men typically have that more. So, but insomnia for sure, more problems with women. So I think you kind of touched on it, but maybe you could go a little further. And how does sleep change across the ages? So across the ages, like I said, when you're in up until adolescence, it's the same. And then once we hit adolescence, you start getting your period every month. And usually for a lot of women, even women who are in midlife and might not still officially be, or they're in perimenopause, you can still have it. Right before your period, a lot of women for those five days, they start to have trouble with sleep. So it could often be insomnia, so a lot of trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, um, sometimes more anxiety that week before. And then for others, it can be um, excessive sleepiness, which is kind of weird. But some people get really, really sleepy. And then pregnancy. We have a lot of problems sleeping during pregnancy. And then when the baby comes, there's a lot of trouble sleeping. And then you have some normalcy for a while, but then you hit perimenopause. It can happen even in the late thirties and forties. So that's a span of five to 10 years. And then you hit menopause and it can still continue on. Boy, the fun's just beginning. huh? I know it's really a great, it sounds wonderful, right? <laughs> yes, it does. So um, what can women do to improve their sleep as their age, as they age? Um, I mean, I know we've heard a lot about what do they call that? Your bedtime ritual and all of that. So what can we do? I think of it like a tiered approach. So I think the pop media, I mean, even Instagram and I, I do it too, right? We talk about sleep hygiene. So that's yeah, that sleep hygiene. Right. That's it. Right. That's exactly. Sure. I think about it like dental hygiene, right? Like right. Exactly. It's kind of a weird <laughs> brush your teeth, you floss every day and you're going to help prevent a cavity. Or if you get a cavity, maybe it won't be as bad. That's kind of what sleep hygiene is like the basis of just good sleep habits. So that wind down routine is really important. Um, we often are just go, especially women, we're going, going, going. And then it's like, oh, I should go to sleep now. I should cry. And then they try to crash. And that's not a way to sleep. Sleep is like a dimmer switch. You need to quiet your brain, quiet your body to set the stage for it. That's why that wind down is really important. And we think about like alcohol, caffeine, limiting those within the alcohol and liquids within three hours of bed, caffeine more like eight to 10 hours. It really depends on the person. Some people are more sensitive than others. Getting light exposure, a morning routine people are talking a lot about now. Which yeah, I'm hearing that. Yeah. It's funny. It's like, we've been talking about it in sleep for years and now it's like catching on. The right. morning, getting up at the same time as you, if as often as you can is really, really important to help with your bedtime, believe it or not. And getting light exposure and movement, all those things are really important. And also the blue light blocking, like not staying on your screens an hour before bed. And if that's not enough, right, that's that, that basis, that's when you start to say, okay, maybe I need to really, if you're doing that for like, say, three, four weeks and it's not enough, there are really good treatments for insomnia out there. So people sometimes just throw in the towel and think there's nothing that can be done. That's not true. So what's next? That's when it's a discussion of trying something called cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia. So that takes sleep hygiene but it takes it way further than that. So it's timing appropriately, what time you go to bed. Sometimes I have people spend a lot less time in bed, which is kind of counterintuitive. It's kind of crazy, right? If you're only sleeping five hours a night, you shouldn't be in bed nine hours. You're going to have the same problem over and over again. So we actually, oh, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a very, like I said, it's counterintuitive. So 
We change the times people go to bed. We change what you're doing in and out of bed. Sometimes people are trying to force sleep to happen. You worry more about it. So we, walk, we talk about your thoughts, your predictions of what's going to happen. And it's a totally short-term treatment. I see people four to 12 sessions usually, and with or without medication. Um, but the treatment itself is without medication. If that's not enough, right, and that's the gold standard treatment for insomnia, then we have a discussion with your gynecologist about hormones or any other antidepressants. Hormone treatment, you know, has a bad, has had a bad rap for a long time. It yes, really yeah. is not the devil that many people think it is. I know. So it's yeah. not, it's not indicated for everyone, but for a lot of people who think that they shouldn't be, or they don't need to take it, or they shouldn't take it, it actually is totally indicated. So it's a really honest discussion to have with your doctor. And then there's sleep aids. So the typical medications that you hear out there. So there's lots and lots of different options and then supplements, but supplements have the least amount of data. So don't throw in the towel if just like winding down before bed isn't enough for you. There's so much out there. So you're saying that we don't need to accept poor sleep. There are things we can do and things we should be doing. Yes, 100%. I think that and the hormone component for a lot of women in perimenopause right. is a big factor. And, and I think if you have a doctor who just say, eh, that's what happens, get a different doctor. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of that. I, I've mentioned before that my OB... GYN, I said, you know, should we be talking about hormone replacement therapy? And he's like, I don't believe in it. And I'm like, oh, that's easy for you to say you're a man. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's so true. You're not suffering. <laughs> and sometimes it's not just one treatment, right? Sometimes hormones right. can, I have a lot of women who are on hormone treatment and it's not enough, but it helps then from what the baseline was. So then we combine it with CBT. You know, there's, it's such a tiered approach that there really is something that can help many people. So how does someone know if they have a sleep disorder and when it's time to see a specialist? So the occasional bad night here and there means you're a human being, right? Yeah. I don't sleep every <laughs> night. People think I do. I don't. Five nights a week. So we're talking about sleep disorder, meaning insomnia. That's what most people ask me about. So if you want to know if you have insomnia, is trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, or awakening too early? And is that happening at least three nights a week or at least three months? Right. So if you have one or two bad nights here and there, you, you know, that's where sleep hygiene might be more beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. But the more chronic stuff, weeks and weeks on end, three or more nights a week, that's when you want to see someone for it. If you sleep at night and you feel unrefreshed. So even if you get seven, eight hours a night, and you're just like, I'm still dragging. Talk to your doctor. You might have sleep apnea, which we see a lot in midlife, too. So women just saying, well, I'm healthy. I'm fit. I'm, I work out. I'm not overweight. But as you get older and you hit peri perimenopause and menopause, your airway loosens and women actually have higher rates of sleep apnea at that age. So that's something to get evaluated as well. I bet many women are habit and don't even know. Oh, it's so common. And I get a lot of people that come to me for insomnia because they wake up in the middle of the night and they can't go back to sleep. And it's, you know what? I think there's apnea going on too, because the apnea is making them wake up because they're snoring and choking, gasping without realizing it. And if we treat the apnea, it can help the insomnia a lot of times as well. So it's interesting. Yeah, definitely talk to your doctor if you wake up with a dry mouth, you're urinating a lot at night, or you just um, snore, or you just feel like the sleep you're getting is unrefreshing. And how many hours, I'm always curious, there's always a debate on how many hours of sleep, you know, we should be getting each night. What, what do you say about that? How many hours? It varies, but mm -hmm. anywhere for about 70% of the population needs between six and nine hours a night. So that eight is just because it's basically in the middle. That's where they get it from. <laughs> so, so if you get seven, it's okay. Once in a while, six. A hundred percent. Even if you get six and a half, but you feel like you're well-rested and refreshed to go about your day. And the key is you're not making up for it on your days off. 
So if you're, you think you fooled oh. yourself that you're a six hour a night person, but then you're getting eight or nine hours on the weekend, you probably need more sleep in the middle of the week. But yeah, there's a big range. I tend to be closer to the eight hours. My husband's more like seven. It just really varies. And as you get older, the thing to note is that the quality, it's not that you need a lot less sleep. It's that the quality of sleep gets less deep. So as you age, it just tends to be a little lighter. And some people, when they start hitting their 60s and older, they might nap a little here and there. So you get a little less sleep at night, but you're making up for it during the day. Right. And if like you need to take a nap during the day, then obviously, right, then your evening sleep or is napping normal? Like so na- That's a great question. Napping is wonderful for many people. So, okay. at, but it's the question is like how long of a nap? So twenty minutes earlier in the day is a great thing. Power nap for many people is great. However, if you struggle with sleep at night and you're finding that you have trouble falling asleep, you're waking up. That's when you want to get rid of the nap. So nap is definitely great, but if it's impacting the night, get rid of it or do it much earlier in the day. And it's hard for a lot of people to limit it just to twenty minutes. Yeah, um, I love night. my naps. I'm it's so great, right? I love if, naps. <laughs> And if, but if you're having sleep at night troubles, try getting rid of it. It's hard at the beginning for a lot of people to break that pattern. Mm-hmm. But once you break it, you find that you have more energy because you've been sleeping better at night. Now, I, let's ask this too. Is it better to go to bed early? I, I've been trying to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I try to like hard when I've got kids that now stay up later than I do. <laughs> but it's a tough balance. It is. So what do you mean going to bed early? So I think if you're someone, it's always this interesting split, right? If you're someone who has insomnia, that trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, some people actually have go to bed a lot later because if you go to bed later when you're actually fully sleepy and you spend less time in bed, you actually sleep deeper over time, if that makes sense. You fall asleep faster and you stay asleep better. But the flip side of that, of that is that a lot of people sleep okay, have that occasional bad night here and there, but not chronic insomnia. And they go to bed too late. And that's that like mom saw me revenge bedtime procrastination, whatever it is, sleep stalling. We all talk about because you just want to get sucked into Netflix and watch whatever, binge watch. Oh, because stuff. we finally got our own time. That's exactly. You want to okay. sit back your time. Right. That's when you got to start making the earlier bedtime a key. So right. if you don't have trouble with sleep, earlier bedtime is good. But if you're really struggling, a later bedtime is weirdly a lot better for some people. Well, what if you just kind of go and like, I, I find myself, I'll go up to my room, get ready for bed, knowing that I'm going to watch some TV. It's just like unwind time, really. Yeah. Is that- I don't think there's a problem with that, but it's, it's all like, if you want to go to bed a little earlier, wonderful. Just try to note if you're having trouble with falling asleep or staying asleep, maybe the screens right before bed is a part of a problem, but you have to figure out a way to have that enjoyment in your life. Like I still want to watch all their shows. Oh That's Yeah. Awesome. I get sucked. I got sucked into watching Gilded Age last week. Way too late. Isn't much that much great? Oh my gosh. So, and so much of it is filmed where I live. So it's like, oh my God, I know that place. Yeah. So it's just, I get sucked into it too, but yeah. I just make sure not to do it every single night. That's for once thing. in a while. It's okay. What you're saying. Yeah, you want to also have an enjoyable life, right? Yeah. Part of yeah. having an enjoyable life is getting sleep because it helps you enjoy things better. But you also want to have things that you can go out and go out and enjoy whatever when before COVID, when we go into the city all the time, whatever it is, you want to have those nights, just make them the exception, not the rule. And also, it seems to me that three seems to be the magic number that you've seen that you've mentioned, because you said more than three nights a week. Yeah. If you're having bad sleep, then that could be the signal of something. And yeah, then, for three months. Yeah. 
And that, yep, for three months. And then also you said three hours before bed, no drinking alcohol, correct? You like the numbers three, I guess. I guess so. I just kind of picked up on that. Yeah. And then also, what does trouble falling asleep, staying asleep mean? Because a lot of people want to define that. So let's add on to that. It's usually around 30. There's another three, mm. 30 minutes. But I don't like using those cutoffs because like if you're 31 minutes versus 29 minutes, like right. seriously. Right. So or are you bothered by it is the kind of cutoff that I like people to use three or more nights a week for at least three months. Yeah. My, my personally, I don't have a problem falling asleep. It's the waking up at three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I can, I can feel it happening. Something starts percolating in my brain and then I feel myself waking up and I'm thinking about what that is. Like something yeah. stresses me out. I wake up stressed out about something. Right. And that's where I sometimes at later bedtime or what people are doing in bed, like, so then you might grab a lot of people grab their phones and they start Googling whatever, but the later bedtime can push the wake time later. Hormones are another big thing for some women at that mm-hmm. time, right? A lot of women are having hot flashes, whatever it might be. And then the other thing that's, this is why wind down time is really important because if you go to bed with things on your brain, guess what's going to be there when you wake up at four in the morning, all the Those same things, right? So you kind of deal with it, flesh it out a little bit. Get it on paper so that you're not thinking about it so much at four in the morning when you wake up. So are you a fan of journaling? Like before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love journaling. I love, if you need something a little bit more, should I say aggressive to deal mm-hmm. with worries, there's something called worry time I talk about in my book. You can find it easily. I'm on Instagram. I talk about it. Um, there, med- meditation is another huge one. Yes. So we don't talk about meditation enough a lot of times because people just think it's like you're going to use the apps to fall asleep to. No, meditate for five minutes, three minutes during the day. It makes it easier for you at night to then let go of the thoughts that are worrisome because you're stronger at letting go of things. So daytime meditation helps with the nighttime for a lot of people. Interesting. Oh yeah. boy, there seems to be nothing, nothing but good that comes from meditating. That's for sure. Sure. So how does sleep, let's move over to how sleep can benefit things that in aging, like, uh, exercise, beauty, how does sleep benefit that? So um, beauty wise, right. there's I, the biggest thing that I see is that a lot of women are concerned about like skin and suppleness of their skin. Right. Collagen production happens in your deeper stages of sleep. So okay. it's important to get those deeper stages. Not getting enough sleep is actually very dehydrating. So mm-hmm. one of the First things I have people do if you had a rough night is drink a big glass of water in the morning so it's less dehydrating. So mm-hmm. collagen production, hydration, it's really important for. When we talk about, um, let's say, diet and just weight management, shall I say, the two big hormones that get affected, there's something called ghrelin and there's another one called leptin. So the way I always think about it is ghrelin means go, the G for go. And what ghrelin is, it's this, the hunger signal. It says you need to eat, eat now, go, go, go. Leptin is the stop sign. So it says eat less. So it tells you you're full. And when you don't sleep, even after one bad night, those signals get mixed up. So essentially you have more of the go eat more hormone, the ghrelin, you have less of the satiety hormone, the leptin. So you want to eat more and your body loses the signal to stop eating that it, because it's full. And then add on top of that, what we find is when you're sleep deprived, you tend to crave higher fat, higher sugar foods for that impact of energy, right? You're just not thinking as clearly, shall I say? So like a lot of people get into this nighttime snacking sort of habit right before bed. And if you're not getting the signals that you need to stop eating, you're hungry. And also your brain is not thinking, the judgment side is not fully there. Mm -hmm. 
the recipe for weight gain and, and issues with weight loss if you're trying to lose weight. And then the final thing is that you asked about exercise. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big runner and I try to prioritize sleep, especially around harder workouts, because exercise is essentially breaking down muscle so that it grows back stronger. Mm-hmm. And when, when you exercise or you sleep really well after a hard workout, guess what? Your muscles repair themselves much better. Right, if you go right. into without sleep deprived, you're going to be, have a greater risk of injury and accidents and falls. So sleep is really important. It seems that, yeah, yeah. I, I have noticed, and I know many women speak about this is that when they don't sleep well, they eat, they don't eat as well. So obviously oh, yeah. it sort of hurts the receptors as you were saying it. Well, totally. It's ingrained in us. And we, I mean, you know, we also have to be kind to ourselves too. Like if you have a really rough night or a few nights and you're like going for those chips and pizza and like cookies, you're, it's, it's, it's literally hardwired into us to get energy because think about it, fight or flight when we lived in caves, that's what our bodies are doing. So you have to be kind to yourself and not judge yourself. Just be aware of why it's happening to try and get back on track. Interesting. Well, uh, what else would you like to add? I mean, we've hit, we've hit everything. I mean, what was that? I said, so clearly we shouldn't put up with bad sleep is really what you're saying. Don't put up with it. And I I can't stress it again. We talked about, or enough that that if you have a doc, even if it's not a gynecologist, you have a primary care, anyone who just says, eh, it's part of growing older. It's not, it doesn't have to be that way. And the other thing to note too, is that a lot of people, especially women in midlife, I see this often, who have some depression, who have anxiety, they wait for treatment for those things instead of the sleep. So there's this older model of thinking Mm -hmm. of sleep issues is just saying, you know what, if you're less depressed, you're less anxious, you'll sleep better. The way we look at it now is you treat them separately. If you're sleeping better and you're in therapy or you're in or on medication or whatever it might be for medical and psychiatric issues, if you have a better bedrock of sleep, guess what? Those other things tend to do better. So I, as a practitioner, I see people for sleep issues, even though I'm a psychologist by training, some people are seeing, women are seeing therapists, psychiatrists elsewhere, but they come to me every other week, every month for sleep focused treatment to bolster the other stuff that they're doing. And what, just out of curiosity, like what does a, like say someone comes to you, what does a sleep treatment kind of look like? Like what can someone expect? So nothing about it. So CBT for insomnia is what they would likely get with me. I do some other stuff too for nightmares and CPAP for the apnea non-compliance. Right. Typically it would be, I have people actually track their sleep on a diary. Okay. I don't to use the watches and the rings because I don't want hyper-focus on it. I want their guesstimate of what they think is happening. I want their perception of what the night looks like. Okay. And then from that, I might first few sessions change their bedtime, wake time to be a little bit more restricted. Sometimes it's more, it varies. I'm trying to cons- give them consistency. Then we work on basic sleep hygiene. And then I build in from there, I try to get their sleep more consolidated with the less time in bed. And then we slowly work to get you more sleep over time once it starts to consolidate. And we work on meditation if we need to, worries about sleep, trying to force your sleep, the cognitive component, but it is very short term. So, and I, I work on a lot, work with a lot of people on who are on sleep medications that might not work great. Or they're on sleep meds that work well, but they don't want to be on them long-term. So I work with their prescribing doctor to slowly taper them off of those medications or right. get them to a dose where they're not as reliant on it. So there's a lot of variety, but it's, um, like I said, it's short-term. Okay. So it's, it's a short-term thing. So you're not, you're not going to be in sleep 
therapy for, you know, the rest of your life. Oh, and sometimes people will see me and then decide that they're, you know what, I also want to work on the anxiety or I want to work on this. So we, I always say, let's do the sleep stuff first because we'll get the most bang for our buck with that. And then we might shift focus. But it is, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing where if it's just being ignored in the treatment that you're in, it's not helping you. Go get, go get some sleep treatment somewhere else if you can. Or that's why I wrote my book. And there's apps out there. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Okay. And what would be like the number one tip that you could give women like starting today? What should they do to sleep better? Um, I always go back and forth about what I would think it is. It's either consistency. So keeping the same bedtime, wake time. That's huge. A lot of people try to sleep in on the days they can. That makes it worse. And then also giving yourself a buffer for bedtime, right? So trying to wind down, empty out your brain at least a half hour, ideally an hour before bed so that you're not going to bed with a brain that's in knots because that's going to wake you up a lot of times. And put the phone down. Put the phone down, like any of that stuff. And and get an old school alarm clock. Why do you need your phone as your alarm clock? The temptation is too great. Just get a real alarm clock, put it there. Somebody told me a while ago that actually it's not good to keep your phone near your bed because it's pinging off a cell tower and it's those waves. I heard yeah, that. I've heard that before. I don't know anything. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. I just, I'm like, get it out of your room. It's not good for you anyways for many other reasons. So just, you know, I mean, yeah. there's a benefit. I got to say there's a benefit to having a landline that most of us don't have anymore because yeah. if people are worried about getting, you know, emergencies, people will reach you on your landline. Otherwise, yep. keep your phone far enough away and just have the do not disturb on it, but have those emergency people able to get through. But right. Use a real alarm clock. Get the phone not next to your bed because the temptation is way too great. Yeah, I, that was hard for me, but I have learned. I'm pretty good now at not, I don't get in bed and like sit on my phone. Yeah. I, I get in bed. I'd rather like watch TV or read or do something. I just don't, and not on my phone. I mean, like a book. That's- that's one of the first things I target with patients is usually because I'm getting an email at like two or three in the morning. And you're like busted. <laughs> I call everyone out on it. I know exactly. <laughs> There's a timestamp. So, yeah. Busted. You brought exactly. the phone too close Very to the bed. That's really funny. Oh, well, this has been great. Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up? No, I just, just don't suffer in silence get some help. There's a lot of avenues out there. And you can also, if you have questions, you can always go to my website um, or my uh, Instagram and I can get you where you need to go. What's your website? Oh, it's just, it's just DR like doctor. So drshelbyharris.com. Okay. And Simple. it's at sleep doc Shelby for yeah. Instagram, which I follow, which I have been following. Uh, Kim Schlag is the one that. Yes. Yes. She talks a lot. I love him. And she talks a lot about sleep and, you know, how it can affect everything when it comes to weight, especially in middle age. So I really thank you so much. This has been very enlightening. I mean, my goal for 2022, I've said this last year, I said my goal in 2022 is to conquer sleep. So I I just think that, um, you know, it never was anything I ever really thought much about because it was never an issue. And now it, all of a sudden it is, or, you know, and I like, I don't have to stress out because I'm, I think it's about two nights a week. I'm not sleeping well, but I am guilty of sleeping in on the weekends, but not, not crazy. Like an extra hour, maybe that. Uh, if you know, you're having routine problems and if one of the bad nights is a Sunday night, stop the sleeping in. I always tell people like, try something for two weeks. Okay. So two weeks of maybe just keeping the same bedtime, maybe an, a little less for the time in bed, like a half hour less. 
Okay. Weeks, see if it makes a difference. And if it doesn't make a difference, then, you know, it wasn't enough. Well, I get up with the kids at 6.45 during the week. I, I, on the weekends, I do not want to be getting up at 6.45. I know. I know. It's, it's tough, but what, it doesn't mean you have to do that forever. Like, it, I, I'm pretty strict at the beginning with people. And right. then I'm more about moderation as you get further along. But at the beginning, you got to be really on top of it to reset your body clock. Interesting. So. Okay. Well, this has been, I, 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 have, a, I have some marching orders. I've, right. I see them already. Well, to hearing how it comes out. So, so keep me posted. Well, uh, fortunately I did get a good night's sleep last night. I was, you know, I would hate to come in today, but you know, you just don't know. That's what stinks. It always seems that the days that you've got a lot going on, probably mm-hmm. you're stressed out about it. So you don't sleep all the night before. Exactly. Never, like without fail, without fail. But we usually get through it. That's the key. And yes. The- we're women. We, we can get through yeah. it. And at three in the morning, our brains convince us otherwise. So that's the one thing that you really have to work on. And for a lot of people, myself included, is that I will get, even though it might not feel great, I'll get through the next day. It will be okay. Oh, yeah. If really bad things happen, then we need to problem solve it. But for most people, it's not as bad as we predict it's going to be. And I think, I think that the stressing about it actually leads to making it worse, you know, okay. makes the problem worse. Okay. 100%. Thank you so much. This has been great. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about sleep because- as I said, I, I know I'm not the only woman suffering and no. I hear from many uh, that they have a problem with sleep as well. So I really exactly why I wrote my book. Okay. So. And we will, and the name of your book is the woman's guide to overcoming insomnia, get a good night's sleep without relying on medication, which is great. So yeah. everyone go check that out. It's available Amazon everywhere, everywhere, pretty much. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to wrap it up. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps us out a lot. I have a new pro-aging podcast bi-weekly, so please contact Lauren at fountainof30.com for sponsorship opportunities. Thanks everyone for listening and try to get a good night's sleep. And if you have three nights in a row, you're not getting a good night's sleep. Do something about it. And follow Dr. Shelby on her Instagram. It's really great. Talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. Bye.